An urban legend that may have started on the internet. A black-eyed children showing up unexpectedly. Children that seem weirdly out of place and out of time. Asking for your landline or your telegraph. <laughs> have you ever heard of the black-eyed kids? You're about to. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So the Black Eyed Kids is a contemporary urban legend. Some people say it started on the internet as a creepy pasta or pasta, depending on how you want to pronounce that word. Ooh, I like pasta. Um, well, <laughs> on the internet, that's that's sort of a slang term for a, a short story that gets passed along. Those things you get emails like, you're not going to believe this. Oh, I hate those. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you get the little stories. and But the, the Black Eyed Kids sort of first popped up on the internet, I think, sometime in the 90s course tabloids would claim that the black eyed kids have been around since before that and i think as we delve deeper into the story we're even going to say that maybe black eyed kids or at least stories of similar entities or creatures have been around for forever like all of mankind's history centuries we, we could go back to the face stories and 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 things like that so the black eyed kids typically will appear between six to 16 years old they'll have pale skin and as per the namesake they'll have jet black eyes no no coloration whatsoever no white no distinguishing feature, just pure black in the eye. They wear j drab clothes. Uh, I think the most common outfit described is a hoodie and jeans. Uh, and, or sometimes they'll be old-fashioned, similar to like how the Amish would dress. One of the stories I have even is that, you know, mentions that the husband thought maybe they were Mennonites. They usually travel in pairs, sometimes in groups. Rarely will you encounter just one, but it's not unheard of. Sometimes they do appear singularly. Usually they'll be hitchhiking or panhandling. Again, the most common version of this story is, is the kids will knock on the door and they'll ask to use your telephone or uh, or telegraph. Again, like I said, they, they seem like they're out of time. Out of time, yeah. And they also seem to be more boys than gender to yeah, female versions. Typically, well. more often, it seems to be boys. They will insist on being led inside, and they'll they'll tell you, you know, that they're not dangerous. They usually have a monotone kind of voice. Let us in. We won't hurt you. This won't take long. I've I've encountered stories where, you know, we don't have any weapons with which to hurt you. You know, things like that. So obviously, you know, they, they try to make you feel at ease, but again, when someone tells you, not, I don't have any weapons to hurt you. Not working so much. Yeah, yeah, not working so much. Those that encounter them always speak of this same sense of dread. There's something off about these kids. They immediately make you feel uncomfortable. So with a little bit of background there, let, let's kind of delve into some some anecdotes. Now, the first story that pops up on the internet, The Black Eyed Kids, is from 1996 by a Texas reporter named Brian Bethel from Abilene. And supposedly he recounts the first known story of an encounter with Black Eyed Kids. He was sitting in his vehicle late one evening. Uh, he had stopped in a parking lot outside of a movie theater to write a check. Two children tapped on his driver's side window. He felt terrified immediately. He looks over, he sees these kids, he's, he feels like they're out of place, out of time, something's just wrong. He feels terrified, but he... 
He rolls down the window a little bit. The oldest kid says that he and his brother, they wanted to watch a movie, but they didn't have their money. They'd left their money at home, and they asked him for a ride home so they could go get their money. He, they assured him. Again, this is those, those black-eyed kids. They said, it'll be okay, mister. We're not going to hurt you. Yeah, we don't, we're not going to hurt you. We don't even have a gun to, to hurt you with. I mean, I think they used that they exactly. Used, yeah, yeah, I read that too. We don't have a gun. It's like, okay, why how, would you imply that? How unsettling. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a gun. We don't have a gun. You, don't, you shouldn't have to say that. But again, he, found, he even found their assurances to be completely unnerving. Uh, when he broke eye contact with them, that's when his fear seemed to become all-encompassing. He knew he had to get away from these kids. He didn't want anything to do with them. This was, was not someplace he needed to be or wanted to be. They became frustrated when he would make excuses for not giving them a ride. But, and they specifically said, we cannot be let inside unless you invite us. Which, if you're familiar with your vampire lore... Absolutely. Vampires have to be invited in, according to, to some versions of the story. They can't come in unless they're invited. So again, we'd say the black-eyed kids, these stories exist from you know, way back in mankind's past. Uh, vampire lore goes back. Every culture has vampires. Way beyond 1990s, uh, for sure. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I, I have an entire book that's probably three to four inches thick at home just about vampire lore from all over the world. So, I mean, every culture has a vampire story. And, and not only that you've got to let me in, I've got to be invited, kind of a death-like pale toned skin, the yeah. whole black eyes. Some say it's like recessed, almost like a skull look. Again, it kind of sounds undeadish. They have a vampirish look about them, even. I believe we both have a series of anecdotes here, so if you want to take the next one. Oh, absolutely. I found a story, and uh, we're going to call this man Noetic. Um, Noetic didn't want his real name used, but um, he's working night shift. This is back in 2010. We can sympathize with that. (laughs) Don't use my real name. Um, It was an ordinary July night in Ohio, and Noetic was in the middle of his night shift. He started craving a cigarette. So he decides he's going to step out front of the building and uh, steps out on the street and lights up his cigarette. And across the street there, kind of in an alley, are two teenage boys he describes that just start, you know, they start looking at him. He doesn't think a lot about it. I mean, he stepped outside the building. They were over there. You know, maybe he kind of alarmed them or, you know, got their attention. But then they start crossing the street. They keep their heads down. And as Bill described, often these are wearing drabbier clothes, got hoodies kind of pulled over. So not really exposing their heads. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they tend to want to not stand out, I think. Yeah, kind of blend in, fade into the shadows. As they're walking across the street, he gets a glimpse, however, and he just, you know, the hair on the back of his neck kind of stands up. He gets this uneasy feeling and he starts to see one of them as they raise their head. And again, you see these black, jet black eyes kind of faceless or motionless face expressions. So he darts back inside the office door, which I'm assuming locks automatically without a key badge or something is kind of implied and runs back to his cubicle. He's decided he's had enough cigarette, but where he's at in his cubicle, he has security cameras. So he is able to see these two teenage black eyed kids outside uh, the office building there. And they're like motioning, trying to get his attention, like to let them in. So he kind well, of, even even if the door doesn't lock, that may go back to the they have to be invited. Have to be invited to come in. Absolutely, vampire. I'm telling you, it's vampire. <laughs> so after a while, you know, he kind of starts getting aggravated. He's like, these teenagers need to go away. So he gets up out of his cubicle. He goes back down, and uh, you know, he's he's looking at them. Well, now he gets to face them. Right, you know, right on. There's lighting. He can see both of them has these jet black eyes, no pupils whatsoever, and they're hollering at him through and they're like let me in let me in i won't hurt you 
And so in his mind, I thought this was kind of weird, in his mind he's thinking, this is where I need to go call the police. He doesn't say anything out loud, but one of these kids is like speaking back to him through the glass, that wouldn't be a good idea to call the police. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't found anything about like mind reading. Yes, so again, uh, maybe. And so at this point, this kind of sets the guy over edge. And so he races back to his cubicle, picks up the phone, calling the police, staring at the video surveillance screen, doesn't take his eyes off. And the two boys are out there. They're like beating on the glass. The cops arrive, walk right through them. Ooh, I hadn't heard one like that either. (laughs) So he goes down to meet them. And again, he saw them on the screen. He sees the cops arrive, but he gets down there. Cops are there. There's no sign of any of the kids. Wow. That's kind of creepy. I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, the psychic in the, um, what, ghostly even, maybe? Maybe. I hadn't heard any, I hadn't read any like that. The police are like, we didn't see anybody. We, we pulled up, you know, I don't know how many cops came, but they came up, clear line of sight through the street, didn't see anybody. But yeah, I thought that was really creepy. That wouldn't be a good idea to call the cops when he didn't say it out loud. Well, again, and they give the reassurances. You said they, they, oh no, we're not going to hurt you. We're not going to hurt. I mean, as an average adult, you shouldn't be afraid of a kid anyway. Right. Why would you say that? I'm not going to hurt you. That implies you're going to hurt me. Well, I have an encounter here from Lisburn, Northern Ireland. We kinda, we're kind of going to roam a little far afield here. And again, we talked about Faye. And this is sort of you know the birthplace of those kinds of stories. We were familiar with that. Uh, a young woman by the name of Karis Holdsworth was walking home, walking to her apartment from a friend's apartment. It was about 1045 on a warm evening, and she was just strolling. Now, she didn't live in the best part of town, so she was always kind of on edge as she walked through her her neighborhood. Makes sense. Uh, She noticed there were two teenagers in hoodies and jeans in her backyard. They kind of had their backs to her as she approached. Now, again, she doesn't live in the greatest neighborhood. She kind of knows that some shady things go down from time to time. So she immediately, like, she goes on on edge and kind of gets on the defensive. She reaches into her purse uh, where she's got pepper spray she she grabs onto that she's ready to spray them if she has to oh she grabs the pepper spray and kind of as she's grabbing the pepper spray they both turn to look at her and that's when she saw her, their faces of course they have the black eyes the black eyed children again and they say oh there's no need for that so i guess maybe i did touch on the psychic uh, thing i didn't a bit. didn't pick up but on yeah it, it was yeah. in her bag and they immediately tell her there's no need for that we just <laughs> want to borrow your phone and she, again, saw the pitch black eyes. She's terrified. We're innocent. Yeah. <laughs> so she runs for her apartment. She runs for the apartment door. She gets past these kids. She gets in. She locks the door without without them getting in behind her. They continue to kind of hang around the door. They want to get in. Hey, let us in. Let us in. We just want to borrow your phone. We just want to borrow your phone. Uh, she locks the door. Again, locked door. She calls her friend that she just left their house. She knew they were awake. She calls them and says, hey, you know, you come over here. And she kind of explains the situation. So they're like, yeah, we'll drive by. So her friend hops in the car and drives over to see what's going on. Now, as the friend drives up, the friend describes seeing these two kids, and she never sees their faces. Okay. Um, she's just driving up. And they run off as she pulls up. But they, she sees them where the cops pulled yeah, up in my she story saw them. didn't see them at all. Okay. And okay. she felt the unreasonable fear that people feel when they encounter the black-eyed kids. Interesting. But they do run off as she, as she pulls up. So, again, this encounter, you know, a little bit different, but they do seem to have the ability to, to know what you're thinking. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And again, someone who was totally unrelated to the original encounter saw them and, and was explained that horror. So you don't even have to see the face to feel that un, uncomfortable fear. Interesting. So. I've got another one I'll share with you. Um, this was uh, one particular night. Um, 
One night, a man was uh, dozing in the spare room uh, with his infant daughter uh, when he heard a strange bump outside the house. So he gets up, small child, lays the daughter down, gets up, goes and investigates, thinking it's the house cat that's outside on the front porch. Uh, checks through the window, opens the door, looks, no sign of anything, no sign of the cat. He dismisses it. As he turns to walk back to the daughter's bedroom, however, comes into uh, the kitchen area and the back door, there are two teenage boys, once again, um, age 10 to 11-ish, and they're knocking on the door. And this is one of those examples where, you know, he goes, he opens, I guess, the door, but not the screen door. So he's looking at them through the glass, and they ask to use the telegraph. Again, kind of out of yeah, they're, time. Like they're out of touch with modern reality. Um, one of the boys looks up uh, at the man and says, can we can we use your telegraph? Uh, you know, to his horror, when he looks up, he sees again these black-eyed, both of, both of these young boys have total black eyes, no facial expressions, and he notices a musty, mildewy smell through this screen door. Like the grave. Yes, very vampiric, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And he says, well, I'm sorry, the house doesn't have service, because the telegraph thing kind of threw him off. So he's like, uh... Yeah, I mean, how many houses have <laughs> telegraph service? <laughs> My house was built much after that. Sorry, we don't have service here. Um, so that odd remark kind of stuck with him, but he just closed the door on their face, basically. I'm sorry, the house doesn't have service. And he goes back down uh, to check on his daughter, who's trying to go to sleep in, in the spare bedroom. And then all of a sudden, these kids somehow know which room he goes to in the house and go outside the kid's window and starts beating on the window. and A little bit of that psychicness again. Again, yeah. He, he freaks out. He grabs his small daughter, who he's, again, trying to put down to go to sleep, and says he literally just kind of holds her all night long. He sets in the floor with his back against the interior wall, and I guess these knocks, these thumps, continue almost like every two to three minutes, and they get more angry and aggressive. Um, he shouts at them, go away, leave us alone, you know, and all this. And they just keep up. And at this point, he's, he's kind of wondering, this is just some pranksters, some, you know, some thug kids, whatever. But he literally, they stay there the rest of the night. Sounds like several hours. He dozes off to sleep somehow and <laughs> is awakened by his wife's alarm clock going off. Um, where she had said it apparently. Now, there's no mention of the wife. I don't know if she's at work and this was just kind of a weird deal. But well, maybe she slept through it. Right, I, I don't know. know. But the alarm clock goes off and he, when he awakes, he hears the knocking. But after the alarm clock ends, it's like the, the eeriness is lifted, the heaviness is lifted, the knocking ended, and the boys are gone. Well, did you uh, stumble upon any stories that happened during the day? I think maybe you had one you were telling me about, didn't you? Uh, no, all mine are at night. Maybe okay. that's something that goes along with it. You said, you know, the wife's alarm clock goes off. In yeah. The well, again, vampire, you're not going to be up at sunrise. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah, another uh, one. All right. Got another story? I've got one here. Uh, it's an airman while he was stationed in Texas. He didn't want to go into a lot of detail, obviously, because of the nature of his job and the fact that people who knew him might poke fun at him. He didn't run, you know, so he, he kind of remained anonymous a little bit. Uh, this guy is a big guy. He's uh, six foot seven, 260 pounds. Big boy. Says prior special forces, which I didn't think they were in the Air Force, but maybe maybe someone got their details a little crossed it here. Could be, could be. He was uh, staying in, in a dorm when he heard a knock on his dorm door. It starts out originally with a knock. He hears a knock. Now, they had common shower areas, and he thought maybe someone was in the shower. They sort of had a, the way he described it was Jack and Jill doors. 
I'm not sure what that means. I'm assuming it means like saloon door type okay. swinging doors. Okay. So he checked the shower to see if somebody was in there and there was no one there. He was going to dismiss it when he heard the knock again. So he goes over to his the dorm door and there's a peephole about halfway down the door. So he looks through the peephole. He sees a boy about 17, 18 years of age. And he asks the kid, he says, what's up? Well, the boy looks up and he, the way he described it, it was a smile that was cruel or hungry looking. Uh, well, we do have facial expressions. Very here. unsettling, yes. Uh, and then again, he felt the terror as soon as he saw the kid. Now, this is a big guy. I said 6'7", 260, you know, special forces. This guy is supposed to be the toughest of the tough. He can take care of himself and, and this, others. this teenage boy makes him afraid. So, a bit odd. He asks the boy again, asks to use the phone, uh, and he just tells him no. He's just brusque. He, no. And he turns around and he goes back. He's going to go back to bed. So the kid knocks again. He goes back over. He opens the door. Uh, he figures he's going to intimidate this kid. He's again, six, seven, two sixty. This is a big guy. He's going to intimidate him. You know, you need to leave me the hell alone. Right. Right. Uh, he opens the door and he feels, of course he feels uneasy. You know, he's still got that fear from, from the exposure to the black eyed kids. The kid looks up again at him and again, he sees the black eyes and he just knows there's something wrong here. He's terrified. He smiles at him with that predatory smile yet again. That's creepy. And eventually he just tells him, no, you got you to gotta take off, man. And he just closes the door and he just ignores, you know, any, any knocking after that. Now, the interesting part about this particular story is that this airman believes that he had seen the same kid once before. Mm. Two years prior, he'd lived in Pennsylvania. He was working at a gas station on the overnight shift. His brother was there with him and uh, they were just outside getting a smoke, you know, uh, killing some time, just relaxing. When they were, I guess they weren't very busy, getting late at night. Uh, when this kid crosses four lanes of highway and starts walking across and gets to about where the gas pumps are in front of the store and the brother yells out to him, Hey buddy, you need anything? Uh, and the kid, as usual, can I use your phone? The brother looks up, uh, tells him it's not for customers. It's, it's in the shop. It's not for customers. It's behind the counter. You know, they got to pay a phone out front or whatever. If you need to use the phone, pay phone, that's a thing of the past almost anymore. So the kid keeps coming towards them though. He just keeps walking across the, the where the pumps are. He seems dedicated. He walks yeah, across four he's lanes across. of traffic. He's, he's, he's dedicated. So they both go inside, and this kid goes right up to the glass in the front of the store, right in front of where the counter's at, and starts knocking on the, the glass, keeps asking to use the phone. Hey, let me in. You know, I need to use the phone. Just let me in. Oh, hell no. And he, he does this for about five minutes or so. The, uh, the younger brother goes in to get a baseball bat. I guess they keep a, a bat behind the, you know, behind the counter or whatever. He goes to grab that bat, and by the time he comes back around out the front door, this kid's gone. They Oof. can't even, they don't even see him. They don't know where he went. He's gone. So again, you know, another one of those nighttime encounters, and and this one seemed to react to to being attacked. Like maybe you know he read the the intent in the brain and decided to get out of there. And maybe he decided to follow up with the guy since he tried to threaten him. Many years later. Yeah, that that's the strange part about this one, is, is the guy swears it was the same kid two years later. That's the first time I've heard of that. I've got another one here that's just, it, it's almost not the same, but it is Black Eyes. Is this the one that's like the horror story? No, I'm going to get to that one oh, later. Okay. This one we're going to call Cryptic Beauty. One evening, a recluse living area in British Columbia, gentleman decided to go see a scary movie flick uh, at the local movie theater. So, of course, he's already on edge because of the film. He uh, gets home, kind of setting himself there in the chair, and he hears a knock on the door shortly after he gets there. Uh, with each step, as he gets closer to the door, he just feels this dread, this scariness, this uneasiness, this heaviness. And basically to the point where he says he's just almost petrified in fear before he even reaches for the door handle. And now he doesn't even know what's on the other side yet. 
So, nevertheless, something compelled him to open the door. Standing there on the front porch was what he described as a beautiful teenage girl with long flowing blonde hair. Not the typical hoodie. Uh, doesn't a, really cover her face. A really ordinary drab appearance. Yeah. And she looks up and does have the recessed black eyes. That's the connection. But long flowing blonde hair, not dressed necessarily in drab clothing. And uh, he says he guesses that she was probably close to six feet tall. Very tall for, for the age. Doesn't say an exact age, but again, it fit kind of within that 16-ish you know, young teenager. Very polite. May I enter the premises? <laughs> a little different. That's, that's a little formal. Um, the man kind of looks at her and, and sees the black eyes. Uh, begins to be horrified. Again, just watch this scary movie. He screams and slams the door in her face. He marched up to his bedroom, pulled out a gun, and sat in the chair in the living room facing the door. I Obviously, he didn't want to go open the door again, but uh, <laughs> he, he has a gun and he's ready to use it. Hours pass, and finally he, he hears a commotion outside, and it's the mailman. Now, obviously, this must be daylight, to our point earlier. Yeah. The mailman usually doesn't deliver at night. And so he goes out and retrieves the mail. There's no sign of this girl anywhere. He does mention there's no signs of footprints anywhere, so I don't know if this... He doesn't say if it was winter and there was snow or what made him think there could be footprints, but there was no sign. But as he's walking up with the mail, he's looking, and on the screen door was etched the word soon, S-O-O-N. Ooh. So kind of creepy, but similar, but, but different. Well, I've got one more account that I want to get into, but it's a little different from the rest if you want to go ahead and... Uh... Okay, you sure. You have one more there. This one I had to share. Um, this is this is just crazy. This was November nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. Man was watching Evil Dead, which is a, a horror classic. Horror classic. I'm sorry, I, I can't let you say that without talking about how great the Evil Dead is. For those of you who might not know <laughs> Evil Dead, surely to goodness you've saw the iconic figure of a man with a chainsaw as a hand. Yeah. That, you know, it's, that's it, it. May be cheesy, and, and it's definitely dated, but still. Yeah. So he and his wife uh, and children, this cool family, uh, watching Evil Dead together. Hey, hey, we do that in my house. <laughs> They're upstairs watching the movie. Uh, it was about 1.30 a.m. when he decided to head to bed after the movie was over. Suddenly, there's a loud pounding on the front door, and uh, what stood behind the door would change his life forever. Uh, there stood a boy and girl, uh, ages 8 and 11, the girl being 11, the boy being around 8, respectively. Uh, they never look up at him. Uh, this is in Michigan, and it is the winter time. The main thing he notices is looking down. These kids are barefoot in the snow in Michigan in the winter. Despite his anger, the man allowed the children to enter when they asked to come in because they were cold. And again, who wouldn't? I mean, you know. Yeah, you're going to feel compelled to let those kids in. Out there freezing. But as they come through the door, they, they raise their heads up, and he gets to see this stereotypical... Okay, okay so he does let them in. He lets them in. So this, this is another instance of where he, he lets them in. He asked, or They asked to use their phone and said uh, they're trying to contact their parents. And there's kind of some dead silence. Uh, they are walking over towards the phone. He allows them to use the phone, and then he hears a scream coming from the upstairs bedroom. So of course he races off. He leaves the kids downstairs. He, yeah. He doesn't. You know. He doesn't know. This ends up being his wife. Uh, he met 
with the sight of his wife in a pool of blood and terrifying sounds of bone snapping and flesh ripping. And he saw the bare feet of the children he had just let in his home with blood like had left there. But he left them downstairs. This is upstairs. That is... So he, he sees his wife in blood, and there's these bare footprints in the blood. Ugh, and not is... to mention bone snapping, flesh ripping. Despite the man's uh, best efforts, um, he was trying to get around, check on the kids and everything. When, he, when the act was done, the door slowly creaks open, and there stood the barefoot children in the hallway. So now they're upstairs again. It was like they're just kind of teleporting or blinking, if you will. Um, both of the kids are literally covered in blood. Uh, they stood defiantly, he says, with awful grins and eyes completely like the devil himself is the words that he uses. I almost feel like we've crossed the line from like folktale to like full-on horror movie. Definitely. Now, I will say this story, obviously, it's, it's different in it's many pretty, ways. pretty extreme. But it doesn't have a continuation. It doesn't say, now the children disappear, he shoots the children, uh, the wife dies, the wife is okay. There's no follow-up. So that, that one... I'm, I'm not real sure how to take kinda this. Kind of on the edge of believability. Yes. Pretty extreme. I, I think this might be one of those examples of the urban legend and maybe elevated to the next level. But well, well, cool I, story, nevertheless. Yeah, again, this is kind of a, you know, they, they say that this really only has its origins in the, the 80s. And again, I think we hinted at the beginning, you could reach back a lot longer than that. But but still, yeah, like your story there, that's kind of the extreme. That's for demonic aspect. And, and I know you've got another story to share, but one of the things we had talked about, I mean, we've touched on vampire possibilities, but... Going back in, in old folklore, especially overseas, um, some of this is like dark fae, you know. Um, some of those old stories where the fae of the forest, you know, and stuff would lure people in. I mean, you got Rumpelstiltskin and, and, and folk fairy tales and stuff. You know, the, the ring of mushrooms that some, you know, unbeknownst bypasser would stumble into, fall asleep, and the fae would play pranks on them and stuff like that. So I think that's a possibility of a link too that maybe has just been revised. I don't yeah. know. My thoughts. Well, I've got, I've got one last anecdote here, um, where where they do let the kids in, and it, it kind of is a tale of tragedy. It's not quite as extreme as the one you related there. <laughs> Blood and gore. But uh, I, I kind of felt that this was the one that I wanted to focus on the most because it is an account where the kids get in the house, and it kind of describes the events while they're there, while they're there, and then afterwards. So. Uh, this is in a, a rural town in Vermont, just outside of town. It's a nice, quiet community. Uh, the kind of place where everybody knows everybody. No one locks their doors. It's just not, you don't need to do that. It's, it's like that cheers. Kind of yeah. Everyone knows your name. Everyone knows your name, and, <laughs> and everybody feels safe. And, and, and in this day and age, you know, not locking your doors, I mean, nobody does that. Yeah. You'd have to live in a pretty comfortable neighborhood. So I think mean, that, that kind of sets the scene of, of how peaceful and, and serene and, and friendly this little area was. Gotcha. The wife wakes up to the sound of loud banging on the front door. Uh, they lived in a on a small house on a dirt road. So just someone knocking on the door, they're kind of out of the way. It's not like they're normally going to have norm. a lot of passers-by. And uh, the other part is it's middle of a snowstorm. It's been snowing, you know, basically all day. There's snow on the ground, inches deep. I don't remember the exact, you know, how, they, I don't think they say exactly how deep the snow is, but a lot of snow on the ground, enough that travel is impeded. So the, her first thought was maybe somebody had been in a wreck. Maybe somebody needed their help and had gone off the road. Slid or off the ditch, yeah. Pretty common, you know, in, in places like that. 
So she goes and she looks out the window. She notices that their motion light is on. So obviously there, there's somebody out there, something out there. And she sees footprints in the snow that come from the road and go down the driveway up to the front door. So she figures definitely somebody's going to need help. She wakes up her husband and they go downstairs. And so the husband answers the door. There's two children there. There's a boy and a girl. He describes them as being no more than eight years old. They're dressed strangely, kind of out of, out of time. They've got strange haircuts. They describe the boy as having like an old-fashioned bowl cut. The girl's hair was kind of short and cut straight. So kind of a un- slightly odd-looking appearance. Huh. And they were definitely not dressed for the weather. They weren't in bundled in winter coats or anything. They were just kind of casually dressed. We go back to the hoodies and jeans kind of look, maybe. But, you know, sort of drab, plain clothing. Not appropriately for the winter. Yeah, not, not for a winter snowstorm. Uh, he believed they may have been Mennonite. I guess they had a Mennonite community nearby, so he thought maybe they were from that. Based maybe on the haircuts and stuff, yeah. Uh, now, normal reaction, of course. You see some kids, they need some help. You want to let them in. You know, you're going to help these kids. But they, they already had felt like something was off about this situation. Uh, me, the husband, the wife, they didn't want to let them in. That wasn't their first instinct. They said, we, get, we can't let these kids in. <clears throat> they were unnerving. They wouldn't make eye contact when they were talking through them. When the, when the husband was talking to them, they would ask if they were okay, what was going on, you need help, what, what's the deal? And they wouldn't make any eye contact as they talked to them. But they said they asked to come in. Uh, the husband wasn't sure if he wanted them to come in. He, of course, he asked where their parents were. And they responded with, well, they'll be here soon. They'll be here soon. And they kept saying, the parents will be here soon. So, I think it's odd interrupt you here just a moment. I think they're maybe trying to portray this. They're always as children. You know, the innocence maybe is what they're trying to portray. Several of them mention parents. Yeah. Well, but parents comes up quite often. Yeah, but there's never no sign of the parents. They never come and get them. They always vanish. But it's just kind of interesting that, it, well, that they're always the children playing that innocent This role. one kind of breaks that pattern just a little bit. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more. So anyway, this is about 2 a.m. at this point. So you're 2 a.m., middle of a snowstorm. It's cold. It's, it's Vermont. I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not going to be pleasant weather outside. Woke this family up, obviously. Instinct says not to let them in, but they want to do the right thing. They want to be good Samaritans. They let them in the house. The husband takes the kids into the living room while the wife goes to make hot cocoa for them so they can figure out, you know, they want to take care of these kids, make sure they're, they're, they're looked after. It's the right thing to do. Uh, the husband keeps asking if they're okay, uh, how far they had walked, if their parents' car had broke down, and he keeps getting the, well, they'll be here soon. They'll be here soon. Uh, and, and they had kind of a sing-songy type voice is the way they described it, kind of a weird way of speaking. I mean, just everything about these kids is just a little bit off. Now, did they ever say why these, you said eight, nine-year-old kids are out here? The parents will be here soon. They never mentioned a, a car. The parents are in the car. The parents no, they, are the ones that slip. They never talk how about How the parents going to get here? You know, how never, did the kids get here? Yeah, they never talk about having an accident or anything like that. Very vague. Okay. Uh, now, now for some of the red flags. They had four cats in this household. Three of the cats are nowhere to be found. They can't find any of the cats. Normally the cats are very curious, very friendly. Hey, there's people in the house. You know, rub up on them. Want to get to get some pets. Yes, yes. They're all hiding, except for one. I believe that cat was named Pigeon. He's in the kitchen with the, with the wife. Hold on, a cat named Pigeon? Cat named Pigeon. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll now normally, again, these cats are normally curious and friendly. Pigeon is standing, like, against the wall as far as he can be away from the living room. He's got his back arched, his, his fur is up, his tail is, you know, poofed up. I mean, he is... You know what they say about cats. Yeah. He, he's, he's definitely... Egyptians kept him for a reason. Yeah, he's detecting something that he doesn't like. He's uncomfortable. She reaches down to pet him, and he just starts growling at her. And, and he, like, skitters off underneath the cabinets. So he is trying to get away. He, he doesn't want to be, you know, part of this situation. So the wife brings the cocoa into the living room, and uh, 
she the first thing she sees is her husband has his head in his hands. He's just he's not talking to the kids. He's kind of got his head down. He's sort of you know kind of there's obviously something going on with him. So she asked what's going on. He said, well, he felt really dizzy all of a sudden. He's got this super wave of, of dizzy feeling. And then uh, he said he's fine. He'll be fine. He'll be all right. 2 a.m. in the morning. You're woke up by two strange kids. Yeah. yeah, you're distraught a little bit. So she looks over at the kids. The kids look up. She sees their eyes and almost drops the mugs of cocoa on the floor. The kids have the, the jet black eyes. She notices that immediately. It just freaks her out, scares her. They notice her fear. That's, that's her words. They noticed her fear and said, may we use the restroom? And I'll stress the we part. That's a plural. We. So she, she takes them down the hall, takes them to where the restroom's at. They both go in together. Again, kind of weird. weird. She closes Girls the door. do that, but not boys and girls, yeah. She goes back into her husband, and she's, she's really like, hey, did you, did you see their eyes? And the husband, what he describes, he goes, yeah, the, their eyes were black. Like, I guess his brother had been in an accident and smashed his face. He said it's almost like when his brother had bruised his eyes in an automobile accident. Huh. So again, they're still thinking that maybe there's an accident. You know, there's, there's something going on here. While she's talking to her husband, his nose starts to bleed. Now, this man hadn't been prone to nosebleeds. It wasn't something that was common. And she, she points that out. She's kind of, you know, she's kind of panicked by it. So she goes to get some tissues. I don't know if they didn't have any handy where she goes. But as she goes to get the tissues, the lights go out. Ooh. Power goes out. Boom. Um, so she turns. This kind of goes back to your story a little bit. She kind of turns as she's coming back down the hallway to bring the tissues to her husband, and she's confronted by the two kids standing at the end of the hallway, absolutely motionless, just sort of staring at her. They're just standing, like the like the twins in The Shining. In The Shining. I was thinking the same thing. Well, they're just staring at her. Uh, now, how does she see them in the hallway if the lights are out? Well, you know, towards kind of like maybe backlit against the, the outside snow. I, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, 2 it was a snowstorm. in the morning? She said she saw them. They were they were back. Like, she saw them. Okay. They were They were standing motionless. After what she described as forever, quotes, quote unquote, the boy looks at her and says, our parents are here. Oh, daddy's home. The two kids turn, they walk to the door, they, they open it, and they just walk out into the snow. Now the husband jumps up because he wants to, hey, if their family are here, we want to know that they're taken care of. As soon as he stands up, he almost falls over instantly, plagued by this dizziness. He, he just can't barely get across the room. They look out the window and they say, and they see two men standing by a black car that's idling at the end of the driveway. They're wearing all black suits. Uh, and they're very tall, six foot tall at least, both of these guys. Wow. The husband waves. The two figures stare. The kids get in the car. The men get in the car. And they drive off into the night. The men in black. Yeah. <laughs> so the wife and the husband try to collect themselves. After about 30 minutes, the power comes on. And this is when things go bad. They go, they go bad now. Yeah, they, this the, is when things start getting worse. Oh my gosh, okay. You can't, you, the urban legend, obviously, you don't let them into your home. Over the course of the next three months, three out of the four cats go missing. they just never to be seen again. Now, indoor-outdoor cats, out in the wilderness, you can kind of dismiss some uh, of this. Who maybe knows? Maybe one at a time, though, not three. Pigeon. They come home and they find their cat Pigeon laying in the living room in a puddle of blood. Ooh. Um, he's, he, they said it looked like he'd been vomiting blood, but it, just find their cat dead. So they take him to the veterinarian and the veterinarian says, well, maybe it was some kind of hemorrhage. He can't really diagnose what was wrong, what killed their cat. So he just kind of falls back on the best thing he knows. If there's bleeding, it must be a hemorrhage. Hmm. The husband starts having regular nosebleeds, decides, you know what? This is kind of abnormal. Yeah. I'm going to go to the doctor. So the doctor brings him in. He's diagnosed with an aggressive form of skin cancer. Wow. Um, 
course, the doctor asks if they ever use indoor tanning beds, and they say no, and the doctor's shocked by this, because apparently this particular form of cancer is very closely linked with the well, use of indoor tanning beds. Well, as you were saying this, I was almost thinking exposed to radiation or something, maybe? You know, something. the hemorrhaging, the skin cancer. Okay. Uh, they believe he'll recover, but the thing is, they don't understand how it went from, you know, undiagnosed to non- as bad as it was when he got to the hospital. to boom. Yeah. The wife regularly started suffering from dizzy spells and nosebleeds. Uh, She had other health issues that she didn't feel comfortable discussing. I'm not sure what that includes. Um, But in her heart of hearts, she she swears up and down it was related to letting those kids in the house. Well, I think anybody would draw to that conclusion. Now, this story here, you kind of touched on it. You have the men in black aspect, the black car, the men in the the tall men dressed in black suits. There is a there's a phenomenon with UFO encounters that they call moonburn, I think is what it's called. But it's uh, almost like a radiation exposure when you're exposed, like when you encounter a UFO. Okay, gotcha. So you do have that, I'm, and and so we talked about the skin cancer. It almost does sound like a radiation yeah. type exposure. Now, now, some some theories say that maybe these kids are related to UFO and alien encounters. I mean, you go, you've got the black eyes, and your stereotypical gray alien, you know, has Very the big black eyes. So they could be fae, they could be vampire, they could be alien, or could be something just totally new. So, uh, but that's that's the last encounter I I have to talk about. So I think uh, at this point, you know, we say, so you're at home. It's late at night. You're kicked back. I mean, you're a night shift guy, so it's not unusual for you to be home at late at night. Absolutely, absolutely. You hear a knock on the door. There's a couple of couple of kids there. You know, your first instinct is going to be to Can help you use your kids. telegraph. Yeah, <laughs> until they ask to use your telegraph. I don't know about you, but I don't have one of those. Yeah, I don't. My my house is not wired for that. I'm sorry, but yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, they're kids. Yeah. Now I will say, in today's society, you know, if they were more of the age of teenagers, you know, 16 or 17, I might be a little bit more uh, reluctant, but again, like an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid yeah, a shows little kid. up, I mean, that's innocence. And, and again, maybe that's, you know, if, if this is just an urban legend, maybe that's the origin of it. Maybe that's the wisdom behind it. Don't, don't let strange kids in your house. Because in this day and age, can you even, can you even trust kids? Right. You know? Right. Especially, you know, we... I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man, but, you know, them pesky teenagers, you don't know what they're into. These get days. off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be more inclined to yell, get off my lawn, if they're standing out there terrifying you with their jet black eyes. Well, it, it's went from they go to the door, uh, they beat on the side of the house, they beat on the windows, everything from they almost get demanding yeah. uh, to, like, the, the, the beautiful girl, very polite, well-natured. I mean, the stories are are kind of everywhere it's interesting the different takes on them well they've they've crept in the pop culture i uh i watched a movie not that long ago with my son called they come knocking on hulu it's a hulu original and that's the whole story is the the these this family on vacation has a run-in with these black-eyed kids i i kind of thought that was what it was going to be when i turned it on but i was sort of pleasantly surprised to see that's what it was <laughs> now they they do stray from the lore a little bit but even in that movie you know that you've got a, a family camping you know they've got a, a camper they're staying in, and then in the middle of the night, there's a knock on the door, and there's a little kid there about eight years old. Hey, can I come in and use your phone? Dressed in a hoodie and jeans. I mean, they they follow a lot of the stereotypes in that movie, so it's definitely something that's crept into the culture. But that black eye, the jet black eye, I, I've read multiple places that that's sort of a universal fear of humanity. If you take a picture of someone with jet black eyes and you show them anywhere in the world... Even to people that are totally unexposed to technology in any way, so they have no way of interacting with this story. 
it still terrifies them. That's why, like I said, the, the image of the gray alien is so I think, unsettling. To me, at least, if you see a human, I won't say alien, but if you see a human with black eyes, it's it's like soulless. Yeah. You know, yeah. you definitely there, think There's of an evil there. An evil, undeadish. Uh, and we touched on that, too. There were some that had the musty, mildewy smell. Not always, not in all the stories, but in some of them. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this. I love vampires, so I'm kind of drawn to oh, want I, to tie it to... I, I want to see the connection to vampire, but at the same time, my connection is almost more of a otherworldly, you know, alien type thing. Well, and I will say, I mean, let's face it, vampire children are, are like non-existent. So why would they all be children? No. You know, you know, let's kind of, you know, we want to talk about the X-Files a little bit. When, when they were infected with the alien virus, their eyes turned black in true. the X-Files. That's true. And again, you know, you say, we said that the story started in the 80s, but the first known documented case was the, the gentleman in Abilene, Texas in 96. That was the first story to pop up on the internet. So, Well, and I read when I was doing some of the research, the, the uh, reference to children was little, little beans, and throw back in that whole the dark fae yeah fae are considered little beings yeah. uh, and of course you know with irish and, and folklore celtic folklore they were notorious shapeshifters but again why all of a sudden like in the 90s is this just kind of cropped up i mean because like you said there there's hundreds if not thousands of stories yeah. out there if you start down this rabbit hole there, there's a lot more stories on there we didn't even touch on i i found lists of encounters and again, um, they, they say it started as a creepypasta and then sort of grew from there, and you know, an urban legend, whatever. But you can reach back in mankind's history, and, and like you said, with the stories of the Fae and, and things like that, well, there's there are stories of encounters with otherworldly beings that are, they, they make you feel uncomfortable. They're there to take something from you. They're there to, to hurt you. And, and sort of the lesson is that you don't open your door yeah, to people don't open you the don't door. know. If these creepy kids yeah. come knocking at your door, guys, don't open the door. Just don't, don't yeah, open yeah, the door. Definitely. Just, don't you, let the black-eyed kids nothing in. else out of this podcast today, don't open the door. So you, you've got these unsettling kids. If you encounter them, yeah, don't don't open the door don't. for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously from the stories we recounted today, letting them in the house, that's the last thing you want to do. So I guess just stay safe. Stay and, safe. And avoid the black-eyed kids. And this is yet another story that you'll find, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up. And uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that. Also, would like to say, if you're interested in uh, taking a listen to our local band, Phantom Sam, who has provided our uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway theme song, if you will. Uh, we will be sharing a link on our Facebook page. Uh, if you would love to go check out their unique sound, they've got some wonderful stuff going on. So we appreciate our support for us. Um, and also, we would appreciate support for them as well. Thank you very much.